Welcome to the My Life is the Medicine podcast, where we get off the never-ending search for more and take an inward gaze to find how our lives have already taught us profound truths. Rather than turning outward to experts or gurus, we talk with ordinary people and reflect inwardly about the life journey and everything felt, thought, and experienced along the way. Join us in casual conversation and reflective dialogue to discover how simply living a normal life, reflecting on our own life experiences, has already given us all the expertise we need. Hosted by Chuck Hancock, an ordinary human who has lived life in many roles, like psychotherapist, software engineer, school teacher, orphan, adoptee, father, brother, mentor, coach, ceremonialist, and more. Chuck is a weaver of wisdom, from modern-day psychology to ancient wisdom of indigenous and European roots, creating alchemy from everyday modern American life. Welcome. Welcome to all those intentions and ways of being individuals and together here today. Um, With that, I think we can re-engage with each other with a statement of all our relations, metakuye oyasen, ashe, and amen, hallelujah, (laughs) whatever we want to (laughs) say. I'm still working that one out, man, because I I like the whole hallelujah or amen, and uh, I don't know what my version of that is yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so loaded. (laughs) It's so loaded, man. I can't say, and here's the qualifier for me particularly. Right. (laughs) And I say, hallelujah, amen, kick ass, or whatever I might say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more inspired to get get in on that a little little more. What's a word? I'll I'll work on it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's it's like what what's the feeling? What's the experience behind it that really matters? And like mm-hmm. I'm working to like really claim that. Like I'll say Amen or Hallelujah, even though it's got all my Christian upbringing baggage yeah. attached yeah. to it. It's like I just want to feel the Amen and the Hallelujah and yeah. just be like, Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> forget about the baggage at the moment. Yeah, I love that man. <laughs> the energy of it is so much what gets transmitted too. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a version of trust and faith in the whole. Well. Whoever needs to get it the way they need to get it and how it works for them. Exactly. Super. Exactly. Yeah. Some people might listen and be like, hallelujah, amen. Oh, forget this Christian asshole. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and some people are like, maybe it'll make their day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was just right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, man. Mm. I'm so excited to talk to you, man. Yeah. Uh, This is the first time we've actually recorded a conversation, but we've had so many conversations over the years. Um, So I'm excited to be able to share some of our time together with whoever listens to this. (laughs) Um, So excited. My guest today is Jeffrey Howard. (laughs) Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah, Jeffrey and I met... uh, out in California in the woods, I think it was the Big Pines <laughs> Campground, <laughs> totally. isn't that it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Great circumstances to meet. Kind of neighbors down, I'm in Fort Collins, Jeffrey's in Boulder, and then we just happened to be assisting the same men's vision fast and mm-hmm. got to meet out there. Long way to travel to meet each other. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the reminder, Chuck. That's so fun. Yeah. That's a sweet part of our history. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. It's our relationship origin story there yeah it is we could talk a lot about that there's a lot of richness to that um but Mm -hmm. 
just grateful that we stayed in touch over the years and grateful that we get to talk today and share. And mm-hmm. um, before we figure out what we're going to explore today, I just want to invite you to introduce yourself a little bit to, yeah. you know, kind of who you are, who your people are, where you're at in life these days so that mm-hmm. we know where we're starting from right now. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. I appreciate the question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, my name's Jeffrey Howard. Um, I was a psychotherapist for 10 plus years and, uh, had some big changes in the last year. Took what ended up being about a four month sabbatical, closed my therapy practice. And in the process, I'm in the process of, of reopening my practice as a guide and a mentor and a coach. Mm-hmm. And um, it's quite humbling. And I've been in this liminal place for a long time. And mm. I have no idea when the liminal's going to make its way into the next thing. Mm. Still um, in it. Still in it. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> the mush, the swirl. It's getting clearer and clearer here and there. But it really is like, I don't know where the hell I am or what I'm doing. And then a week later, I'm like, oh, I'll have a moment of clarity. Oh, oh. I'm on the right path. I'm I'm doing the right thing. Mm. And uh, it's really around changing how I work. So it's not a, if uh, you know, the psychotherapeutic model, which you know well, I, I'll see you till you die. You know, mm-hmm. I'll see you every week until you die because there's always more material and it doesn't actually light me up. That mm. I need a little more buy-in and a little more, <laughs> this is weird to say, results-focused. Mm. Without being goal oriented, that makes sense. Right, right. Well, yeah. there's a contradiction and a paradox right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love me a good paradox, man. <laughs> but yeah, helping people to be actually empowered <clears throat> in this way of, I don't want to fuck around. Yeah. And so I want that to be central in our relationship is that we're here to actually help move something, not to get somewhere, but help move something. Hmm. Um, and I want people to go live their lives. Mm. And then if we circle back around, great. Mm. But not the, I've seen you for seven years. And I mean, those relationships are rich and deep and they're also really hierarchical and ultimately end up coasting there. It's not good for me. I don't, I don't do my best work there. Yeah. So transitioning into this role of guide Mm. instead of psychotherapist and, um, as I mentioned to you a little bit ago before we started recording, I'm writing a book, and I have a, a really clear and terrifying sense that I'm made for a bigger stage. I, I need to literally be on a bigger stage mm. and disseminate my work differently into more people. Mm. So the one-on-one work I can actually see ultimately phasing out, mm. where I'm doing more workshops or speaking gigs. Um, not totally sure. Yeah. But that's that's a little bit of who I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it, and 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 where you are right now too, like in this liminal stage, getting <laughs> yeah. some clarity, yeah. trying to show up in the world differently with the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. and as we also were talking about before we started recording, like also being able to listen in the moment too, yeah, like yeah. which really brings a lot of that aliveness, I believe. I believe so too, man, <clears throat> and I'm, I feel really, really fortified these days because I'm. I'm realizing on a deeper and deeper level or levels 
of what it is to walk my talk. Mm. I want to lead by example. Part of why I closed my practice was I felt like I was coasting. Mm. I had a full practice, wait list, and I wasn't super fired up. I was still doing good work, still showing up as much as I could, as well as I knew how to. Um, and in this stepping off into the abyss, wow, uh, I'm walking my talk every day. Yeah. Because I'm often like, what the hell am I doing? What am I even good at? Mm. Is there any value in what this person's receiving from me? Mm -hmm. Pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. And feeling humbled and also really excited because I'm getting more and more where there is goodness. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, my my version of that, Jeff, too, is, is like that's what actually brings the the aliveness and the truth of the moment like when we're willing to sit in that like this moment right now is there anything good of what i'm doing right now is this valuable right now like i don't feel like anything good is happening right now and just working from that place like well okay so how do we create something yeah yeah that's beautiful and and how do we slow down and that's big for me is being in the being in silence Mm. playing with quiet yeah playing with uh being present. Yeah. And and I've realized <clears throat> I've got I've developed such a knee jerk to be the expert. Right. To save the client in a way that's uh tough to spot. Hmm. Right? We have a a little bit of a silence that could start to get awkward. And I'll jump in with a a really practiced, you know, what do you notice about yourself? What are you experiencing in your body or what have you thought about blah blah blah. Right. And these days I'm more like, well, I'm just going to stare out the window. I'm going to close my eyes and see what emerges. Right. Whether it's from me or it's from the person I'm working with. Yeah. It tends to have more juice. Yeah. Because it's not just let's fill the space because we might be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's a, well, hmm. Right. Or fill the space because, well, I'm a therapist and they're paying me, so right. I should do My something. My job here, is right. to tell them something smart. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> I definitely, uh, I mean, there's a both end in this, but I, I, I used to really love when people, clients would say, God, I've never thought of it that way. Or, wow. Yeah. Never thought about that at all. Or, gosh. And I'd be like, that's right. Uh-huh. Really Tied delivering here. Yeah, back. exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. I Getting your money's money worth. <laughs> we, could, we could call it right now. It's yeah. only been 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whereas these days, uh, I'm a little less invested in yeah. that and a little more uh, devoted to let's let's roll our sleeves up and get in there mm-hmm. and probably make a mess. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it's a productive, like well-intentional mixing it up, messing it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I, I so agree. And, and what you're talking about is like being willing to throw aside any of the expectations, whether it's the expectations of uh, the, the industry, the expectations of the client, the expectations yeah. of, um, well, I call it an industry. That's an interesting word I use to, mm-hmm. profession might be more accurate, but let's go with industry. Why did I call psychotherapy an industry, huh? Well, <laughs> I think you're on to something because <clears throat> since the pandemic, like a lot of people saying, wow, it's so great that mental health is coming more into focus. And I'm, I feel like, oh, mental health is more a commodity than it ever has been. Right. So I don't know that it's the capitalist world we live in that's excited about people's good mental health, right. their wellness. It's excited about making a buck. Yeah. I mean, is there a need? Absolutely. Sure. Is it normalizing therapy and, and the like? 
wonderful. Yeah. But let's not be naive right. that this isn't a major opportunity for a lot of people or a few people to make a lot of money. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's an industry. It's it's an industry, yep. Yeah. And yeah. I could go down this philosophical bent, but I also want to try to keep sure. it back with the with the here and now and mm-hmm. uh what's what's alive staying true to that. So you had to undergo this major process that you're just talking about in the last year. How did you get to the point of realizing that you, you needed to do that? I love that question, man. Uh, the short answer is being in pain. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Really? The short answer, um, pretty persistent dis-ease, um, discomfort, um, just feeling basically off my spot Hmm. and it had a lot to do with my former partner in the way of she was so solid in who she was Hmm. and I learned so much about what it is to be in partnership from her and I had to be some version of sovereign or independent and interdependent yeah not codependent right and so I, I through our relationship, I, I got so much better at holding myself accountable and not making the other person the bad guy, which I still would do from time to time. That's, right. that's kind of my one of my go-to defenses is make myself the victim and make somebody else the bad guy. And I got a lot better at, oh, this isn't her shit. This is my shit. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and so with a consistent experience of not being able to, nor now wanting to project my stuff onto my former partner, um, I just had a lot of time to sit with my shit mm. and it was really uncomfortable. Mm. I wish people could see my face yeah. I'm making when I'm like, right. Ugh, yeah, Ugh. you've got the shit face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all got one. I'm sure they can imagine what it is. Um, so it was this pain that was really honest. Yeah. It wasn't story pain. Mm. It wasn't, you know, I was in contact with story pain. Hmm. The I'm this or she did that, he did that, they did that to me. Therefore, I am justified in my, you know, sort of misery or victimhood. Mm-hmm. It was really more conscious. Wow. <clears throat> I found all sorts of places to stuff my own pain outward, externally. And uh, so it was more time by myself, more time alone, more time feeling isolated, more time feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And building my tolerance for discomfort. Yeah. Slowly working the muscle of staying with, well, what happens if I don't go eat half a bag of tortilla chips? Oh. Woo! Oh, this is intense. But mm-hmm. intense in a, turns out, generative way. Yeah. It didn't have to be this super big, scary monster that I'd made it into to avoid it altogether. Right. So that's some of the kind of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like the on ongoing, everyday chronic like when you're tuning into your experience there's pain and then and then being willing to sit with it and look at it and see what the pain is saying yeah and there was a real ethical component to this too man Mm. um as i was realizing when i sat in the therapist chair i was on Mm. i know and i knew and i know how to bring myself right and i could turn it on and be really deeply present and I was also, again, more eyes wide open watching what I was doing between clients, before clients, after clients. And it was utterly incongruent much of the time. So there was pain in the me continually experiencing this fragmentation. 
mm. where I'd be this this man that people would trust with their hearts and souls and their tenderest, like most vulnerable bits. And and then I would go, you know, drink three glasses of wine and watch YouTube videos or, mm. you know, eat shitty food and just not actually be very well. Mm. So that was pretty painful. It was really painful, actually. Yeah. What I make of the piece that you just shared there, Jeff, is that part of what prompted this was uh, a commitment to show up for yourself. Mm. You were showing up for your clients quite well, I'm sure, during the day, and then not showing up for yourself when you went home (laughs) and had the three glasses of wine. Yeah, that's really helpful, Chuck. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. uh, And I felt my hypocrisy, Mm. and that didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Not, Not the person I wanted to be, so there's this also a process of deeply asking, well, who do I want to be? And for me, for years, it was dangerous, and it still is to some extent, to have desires, to have wants, to have longings, to have opinions. Mm -hmm. It was just dangerous growing up in my family of origin. Yeah. And so it was the process of being in this particular kind of pain and, and turning toward, what do I want? How do I actually want to feel every day? Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Oh, turns out I have some agency here. Yeah, I can do something about it. And so the ethical component I alluded to earlier was, I don't want to be fragmented with my clients. Mm-hmm. And that's why I took the sabbatical. That's why I closed my practice because I wanted a, a very different and unique to me frame that people didn't actually know what it was. Because I think that, that I know that's part of my challenge historically, for especially the last few years with psychotherapy is. Everyone has an implicit idea of what the hell's going to go on when they go into a therapist's office. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you my problems. You're going to tell me some solutions. I'm going to feel better. Mm-hmm. Check, check, check. Mm-hmm. Great. Go team. High five. Mm-hmm. Where do I pay? Awesome. See you next week. Um, and that was killing me. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a place to start. I get into this with my clients sometimes, too. Like, I'm tired of coming here and talking about my problems. I was like, great. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Who said you had to talk about your problems? Yeah, there, there's no, I didn't, you didn't sign anything that said you had to talk about your problems all the time. Right. Yeah. I love that, Chuck. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And again, that's more of what I'm geared towards because yeah. I'm actually walking my talk more and more, right. which is, if you're going to work with me, it has to be about who do you want to be? Yeah. How do you want to feel? How do we help you change your life so that every day you're more of that, mm. period? Mm-hmm. And, of course, in deeper relationship with the things that have kicked you off the path because it has kept you small and safe in this defended way. Right. We need to know that. Great. Right. But beyond that, I don't want to hang out there. That's the shallow end. That's right. That's like the, the mucky, shitty swamp. Yeah. It's not generative. Right. It's cozy in a, you know, kind of nasty way. But it's not generative. Right. Yeah. Hmm. There's aliveness in every moment when we are willing to face those things. I love what you just said of like the, mm. you didn't have longings or desires because of your, your upbringing. And, yeah. and it's, it's painful to have longing and desires. And this like, um, Reemergence of Buddhism and mindfulness also says you're not supposed to have longing and desires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> There's all this messaging around not having longing and desires, but mm-hmm. 
my experience of, of what you were just sharing is is that like there's this like thin line of like being willing to not fall into the the woe is me I don't have what I want but also not cutting off from the longing and desire and being willing to like walk this narrow edge of of being willing to face it feel the pain of not having it being willing to face it the pain of not having it mm-hmm. um it's it's such a dance and a, and a narrow edge to find that life-giving force i feel like mm-hmm. that, that i hear you talking about yeah yeah that characterization is helpful hmm. and it's coming to me now <clears throat> about making that narrow edge just a little bit wider. Yeah. Right? Through our practices. Yeah. It's so much of, okay, well, how do I just be in contact with what's alive and and speak my longing with less expectation for anything to happen with it? Right. For me, that's kind of the gold nugget. That's the, one of the keys is, and I think about this especially in relation to partnerships. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily go down that that path and so often we want our person to give us what we want. That's not what they're there for. Right. They're there to be themselves in mm-hmm. relation to us. Mm-hmm. And we can form agreements about how we are comporting ourselves together and with other people. And also those agreements need to go under the microscope pretty consistently. Yeah. Because as we change, so do our agreements need to change. Right. Um, and I, I do think that a live edge you're talking about is where it's at. Yeah. The dynamism of, oh, yeah, I want that thing. Oh, is it realistic? Maybe not. Does it matter? Nope. I still want it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot we could say about that. Maybe we will. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I love that you brought in the relational component. I, You know, as I think back to a lot of our conversations over the years, um, like that's that's a real consistent theme for both you and I. Um, yeah. Uh, both because I think, at least for me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like this longing and desire of connection and relationship and intimacy and, and the the juice and fulfillment is such an important part of what I really long for and desire. And it's also full of so many pitfalls and traps and, and yeah. ways that we can get wounded and, and wound our partners and... Um, a relational field is such a rich field to be in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what occurs to me there is, um, I want to encourage everyone to have relationships with the more than human world. Yeah, because there's so much eros and intimacy and erotic life force that's exchanged constantly right. in the natural world, like hanging out by a creek. Mm-hmm. I live on Boulder Creek, mm. and it's it's a phenomenal thing to be with the creek every day, whether I'm sitting next to it or not, it's permeating my consciousness. Absolutely. Especially as the, the snow melt happens in spring, it's getting bigger and louder and, and more, um, insistent. Um, Hmm. yeah. And, and spreading out our sources of nourishment. Mm -hmm. That feels like part of the, the wellness too, the ecology of what it is to be human. Right. Yeah. So it isn't just my partner needs to fulfill all these needs. I mean, that's nothing new, but it's also one of the hardest things to do. <clears throat> it is, you know, because at least for me, like 
I, I want to believe that my partner has all these potentials, which yeah. they do. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they got all of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whether or not they care about them or will fulfill them, they have them all. Exactly. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I think where I've fallen into the trap is like mm. trying to draw those potentials out um, right. Right. rather than as we were just talking about, being willing to just claim, well, this is a want, this is a need. Like, yeah. do you want to join me in it or not? You know, yeah. or, um, and, and either answer really being okay. Um, yeah. Either answer being okay. And it feels like to say, you're probably not going to like one of the answers. Right. Which is also okay. Right. That's the both end of, and if you really don't like it, okay, then maybe you got to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to sever. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to rearrange or or renegotiate agreements. Right. Or go outside the relationship. Whatever it is. Right. Um, but again, <clears throat> increasing our capacity for discomfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so much of where it's at. Yeah, to even show up and have the conversation is is so challenging. Um, mm-hmm. um for, for most people, myself included. And like, if I'm Same. totally honest, Same. like even though how many years have I been sitting with people having difficult, uncomfortable conversations, like mm-hmm. when push comes to shove in the moment of like, am I going to say this thing to my partner right now? Like yeah. there's a live edge again. Totally. Right. Yeah. And the live edge is, uh, I think you know this. I'm certain you do. They move with us. It's not mm-hmm. like we pass live edges and we're golden. Mm-hmm. It's not like the crux of a climb. Right. Oh, sweet. Well, I mean, it kind of is. Because we have to keep climbing, mm-hmm. and there are new cruxes relative crux. to our abilities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the whole uncomfortable conversations never go away if we're leaning in, right? If right. we're choosing to and are devoted to ourselves and the connection with those we love, right? That's a big if. Most of us don't actually know what we're devoted to. Mm. Or even have that word in their kind of, you know, front of mind, mm-hmm. front of heart. Mm-hmm. What do you actually give a shit about? Right. Yeah. Can I ask you what you're devoted to? That's wonderful, Chuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, yeah. Even before we sat down, maybe when we first started talking, devotion. Devotion has become and continues to become uh, more and more a central part of what I'm about. Hmm. Um, and I was thinking on the way up here, on the drive, I'm so much better when I'm devoted to something bigger than myself. Hmm. I'm so much healthier, so much more wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the paradoxical both and is that I'm taking care of myself more than I ever have. Right. So it'd be easy to say, oh, that dude's really selfish. He spends hours a day sitting and meditating and writing and working out and eating well and and reflecting and reading and and that's what makes me a better person so I can serve better right so um I'm devoted to the mystery mm. capital m mm-hmm. mystery mm-hmm. um and listening like we talked about before yeah and that deeper kind of listening where it's not a cognitive ooh that sounds cool but more like, ooh, shit, that scares me. Mm. Oh, shit, that's what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that deeper listening of it's not from my brain so much as it is from the ground up. 
right from the bottom up from my belly and my balls Ooh, that's the thing um yeah and i'm devoted to to being honest mm. especially with myself mm-hmm. and working to be honest with others and devoted to having uncomfortable conversations in service of honesty yeah because i'm getting more and more multiple times a day especially in, in the with the woman i'm i'm with now i'm so much better more well more sort of a well-oiled machine of sorts <clears throat> or just more congruent essentially when i'm speaking what's true when i'm asking the questions that i don't want to ask one of me doesn't want to ask mm-hmm. um and really holding myself accountable for the things that linger in me that need tending mm-hmm. um I made it this rule a while ago called the rule of three. Super simple, but it's really helped me over the years. If I think about a thing three times, then I either need to speak it to the person that I need to speak it to, um, or I need to do it. Hmm. Whatever it is, I need to act on it. And what it, it's also a fail-safe for, <clears throat> I would say, younger or more wounded or more impulsive voices in me. Because I have things come up. A lot that you should do this or you should tell them or you should ask them this and it's more frenetic mm-hmm. and it usually doesn't come up three times right at, at most it comes up twice and then i'm like yeah okay okay you can have a seat we'll see mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of like tending to the kid that wants candy and mm-hmm. you're like, yeah no mm-hmm. it's it's close to dinner time you're not going to get any candy so those are a few things i'm devoted to yeah yeah well, I love it. I love that we started talking about relationship too, because I, I just want to name that you know, as I've explored relationship, I, I and I also agree, like relationship to the natural world, relationship to mystery. I, I share that same devotion. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that in the past a bit, mm-hmm. um, and how we relate to all the mystery. Um, I, I call it my soul. Um, yeah these beings in nature, whatever, you know, other humans, like, like also like, I believe can't come from this place of codependence of subservience or dominance. (laughs) Like how do we actually just relate Mm -hmm. as, as two sovereign beings, human to human, soul to to human, human to mystery, Mm -hmm. to to Creek or to tree. (laughs) (laughs) You were talking about it's it's such a rich path. Yeah. 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 Thanks for bringing in soul Chuck. Cause that's, I hesitated when you asked me to introduce myself. So I'm still trying on this soul guide. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still finding my way there. And still asking myself, what the hell does it even mean? Right. Um, <clears throat> one of the risks I took last fall was I, I've had this men's group I offer mm-hmm. called the Men's Soul Fire. Or sorry, no, the Men's Fire Series. That's a good sign that I messed that up. It means that it's more integrated. Yeah. But it was called the Men's Fire Series for years. Because we sit, in a, you, you've been there. The used to be called a kiva, now it's called a kirka. Mm-hmm. Big hole in the ground with a fire pit in the middle. And mm-hmm. Sit around the fire, and also <clears throat> related to our inner fire, you know, the fire of us that that impels us, that that drives us. And I changed it last fall to the men's soul fire, mm-hmm. and I was transparent. I, I told the men, I don't actually know what this means. Hmm. I just know it's important. Hmm. And I didn't even really speak to it the whole group. Other than briefly in the first meeting. Hmm. And for me, that was a big deal. Yeah. Because I, I basically just kind of made a mess. 
but a good mess motivated from a deeper place of not just novelty for the sake of novelty, but a change that I felt like I needed to first step in the river before knowing where I was even going. Mm-hmm. And so this time around, another one of the men's soul fire groups starts this Wednesday, uh, two nights. And already I have more purchase, hmm. just a little more. All right, cool. I have a sense of what, what it is we, we might get up to in relationship to soul, in relationship to mystery. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What I heard and what you just shared, which I found really potent and inspiring, is that you're willing to be in the mystery in the midst of your facilitation. <laughs> which is super humbling and scary man hell yeah it is totally (laughs) yeah but again modeling humanness exactly i don't know what the fuck i'm doing exactly and i'm courageous enough to try exactly and speak the thing right and for me that's the antidote to projection and idolization and fetishizing is i don't know what i'm doing and I'm courageous enough to still go, to continue, to be in the river. Mm. And sometimes it's folly. Like if we don't go in the river without a paddle, we're going to get our ass handed to us. And mm-hmm. that's probably what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, there's a component of humility here. Right. Parker Palmer, uh, he's an author and speaker. He's written a number of books. One's called The Hidden Wholeness. Mm-hmm. And in I it, he talks it, yeah. about possessing two qualities, audacity and humility. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, part of what I'm devoted to, to go back to that question. Yeah. Um, is I'm audacious enough to believe I have something of value to offer. And I'm humble enough to know that it isn't really me that's offering it. Yeah. And that I could fall flat in my face. Mm. And that's okay because the motivation feels pure. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to win friends and uh, influence people. Mm-hmm. Like what's his name, Stephen Covey? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, I, I, I mm-hmm. totally agree with you. Like to, and and I also want to name. There's a, there's a subtle difference of like holding that space of like having the audacity to stand up and do it, and the humility to know you really don't know what you're doing. Yeah. That also comes from. Uh, years of learning yeah rather than just standing up and like oh yeah i'm gonna do this thing (laughs) (laughs) sure sure i really don't know what i'm doing like that's that's a a a naivete or an ignorance that can or maybe an arrogance yeah or arrogance exactly which i've been there for sure totally yeah teens 20s and 30s stand up and shout even though i don't know what the hell i'm talking about Mm -hmm. so i can appreciate that yeah yeah hmm and I'm with you. There's a lot of learning and a lot of getting humbled. Yeah. You know, it's like that water over stone. <laughs> like, water's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Chuck's pointing to his beautiful big stone in his office. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, water over stone. Water's going to win. Yeah. Soft and steady. I learned. I got humbled. I got ground down appropriately into the shape that I am now. Mm-hmm. And I can say, yeah, I've earned it. Mm-hmm. I've got the scars to prove it, mm-hmm. and and not in a hopefully um, a braggadocious way, mm-hmm. just a the both hand of I know some things. Mm-hmm. I also know what I don't know, which is a, a shit ton. Yeah, I'm a tiny speck on a tiny speck in a 
infinite universe. Right. And I know some things. Mm-hmm. And the willingness to not know or be wrong in every moment, like I, I think, mm-hmm. is part of what keeps that relational aspect alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a devotional practice. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what's alive? And and back to that. How am I in service to this relationship? Mm-hmm. That's the thing I've been tracking for years. Is and and kind of had foggy notions of what it felt like and looked like Mm -hmm. but really to be this agent of empowerment like in a whole men's groups i tell them every time i want you to start a men's group after this Mm. you can still come back to mine Mm -hmm. when i run the next session great Mm -hmm. it's good learning good experience you get to show up differently with a different eye on what's he doing and why and you can ask questions and participate differently and i encourage that every time but that's what i want oh love it yeah yeah and likewise that's what i've continue to bring into my my guiding practice mm-hmm. how do we help you the person sitting across from me be more empowered have more agency mm-hmm. more sense of your internal compass first and foremost have your central organizing and operating principle be you and your environment right first and foremost right speak from speak and act from that place right Hmm. Yeah, I know for me, it took probably years of my own personal therapy before I had the courage and willingness to talk back to my therapist in the way that you're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I love that that happened for you, Chuck. Yeah. It doesn't happen for so many people. <laughs> when I, uh, friends will come to me, or even uh, well, for a long time, n- new clients. And gosh, it's a satisfying slash confronting way to start a relationship with a new client. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about it, what, all the things their last therapist weren't good at. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask them genuinely, did you ask them to treat you differently or meet you differently or move in different directions? Well, well no. Oh. What had you not asking them for what you need? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, looks like we got a starting place. Yeah. Because that's what I want in our relationship if we're going to work together is that you actually let me in. Right. How am I supposed to know a thing I don't know if you don't help me? Exactly. Exactly. So there's that empowerment piece. And it's definitely edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, my therapist is a, she, probably in his 70s actually, and he's a, you know, he's a, He's the co-founder of the Hakomi Institute. He's a, he's a master trainer of Hakomi. He's a master at his craft. Mm-hmm. And for me to push on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't want to go slow today. <laughs> I want to talk about this thing very directly. <laughs> for those that don't know, Hakomi is all about going slow. Um, <laughs> at least my understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's edgy. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a rich image I have of you doing that with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Phil would have his own uh, like, yeah. <laughs> interpretation or experience of what I just said. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can be prone to embellishment, so <laughs> I'd be a little humbled to get his take on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I found that to be so core and key in my own process, too. Like, um, I was honest with my therapist at one point that I was just like, you know, I actually didn't even like you when I started working with you. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I still don't know if I really like you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
man, that feels so good both directions. Yeah. As I realized more as a, as a guide and, and tried to embody this as a therapist, my job is not for you to like me. Right. My job is for you to, to receive value. Yeah. In an ideal world, you would get that I love you. Mm-hmm. And we would respect each other and care for each other. But I don't need you to like me. Right. I don't. I'd, I'd like to like you, but I I may not like you. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. I think you know. Mm-hmm. We can like people we don't love, and mm-hmm. we can love people we really don't like. Right. Right. And that seems contradictory to some folks and paradoxical, and it is, and it's also as common as it gets. Right. Especially if I'm doing my job, which is poking you mm-hmm. and helping to pull back the curtain of you and say, hey, knock that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing you're doing? Yeah, knock it off. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the context might be. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Th- to be able to poke and to challenge while still holding this care yes. is, is so important and, and can be difficult when we let our own emotions get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm seeing your face. Are, are you with me or do you know, I need to explain that more? No. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm very with you. I yeah. think I was, appreciate your tracking. Yeah. I was feeling into it. Um, especially the emotions getting in the way piece. And that's where I've had real challenges mm-hmm. in the therapist seat. We're going to have to just push pause on our conversation for today, but be sure to come back next week because as always, the conversation gets deeper and more insightful and we can really see the bigger arc of the picture. So Be sure to check out the next episode so that you can continue receiving the medicine that our guest is so willingly sharing with us. Thank you for listening to My Life is the Medicine. We hope our guest story this week has inspired you to look closer at your own life. Maybe you heard some of your own story and their story through many of these experiences are common ordinary experiences. And maybe something about their story was unique, which also might have inspired you to think about how your life, too, is unique. Either way, we hope our story today has helped you to see that your life, too, is the medicine. If you'd like to consider diving deeper into your own story and sharing your story with others, we hope you might consider joining us on a future episode. And if not, that's okay, too. We hope you'll continue listening, keep reflecting, and help you see how your life, too, is the medicine. Take good care, and we'll see you next time.